part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. This morning, open your Bibles to Exodus 13 and 14. Seventy. Not Exodus 70. There is no Exodus 70. Seventy. Anybody know the significance of that number this morning? Seventy. Well, seven is a completeness, but 70. Anybody will, will go even a step further. Anybody have a guess? No? You're getting close. 70 days since we last met in here. And uh, we were able to do that uh, in the middle of March before we knew really the length. We didn't know anything about what was going to be transpiring. We thought maybe we would miss a couple weeks. And certainly by Easter, we would be assembling together again. And it just didn't happen. And so 70 days since we've been in here to study together. And even though we've been able to use technology and uh, still be together in some means, we've had some drive-in services, and that's allowed us to at least gather together there is nothing like sitting in a sanctuary, a worship center, and joining together and saying, okay, open your Bibles too, and then being able to, to actually do that. So open your Bibles to Exodus 13. Uh, can we go to that next shot there? Um, the one with the, the Red Sea. Uh, I made it. There we go. If you were uh, watching, I think it was about five weeks ago, we actually showed that as one of our slides. We were looking at one of the Psalms, and one of those Psalms made reference to that great event, that great miracle when God divided the waters of the Red Sea. And the Israelites were able to come out of slavery and uh, make their journey, even though it turned out to be a longer journey than they expected, to the promised land. And it's really kind of a miracle. It's one of my favorite pictures there. It's one of my favorite stories because not only is it an amazing Miracle that God actually did. It actually took place, but it's a pre-picture of what Christ would do. Most theologians, most people that have deeper knowledge, a lot deeper than mine, would agree that the Red Sea and that opening and the Israelites coming out of slavery and going into a promised land is a pre-picture of the work of Christ. And that the opening up the sea is a portrayal of his death, burial, and resurrection. And that we, passing through that finished work of Jesus Christ, come into what God has promised. And so it's always been one of my favorite stories because not only was it really cool story when you're a kid to think that God would open up this sea so that people could pass by, but also as I grew in my faith to understand this picture of Christ. I come back to that today, not because I'm preaching the same sermon that I did. That was from Psalms. This is going to actually look at the actual... Uh, text, Exodus 13 and 14. But it's one of those things that we do this morning because I realized that when we pick up stories from the Bible, true events from the Bible, it is a double-edged sword. Now, here's what I mean by that. One blade of that sword is cutting and sometimes can be very cunning in our lives because it actually solves the problem on one page. How many times have we seen a, a dilemma arise in the Bible, and it begins in chapter 13, and by chapter 14, that dilemma has been solved by God. A miracle has happened. And so in in a matter of one page, maybe two pages in our Bible, we've gone from dilemma, crisis, to a place where there's solution. 
And I'd say that that's one side of the, the double-edged sword because it's, it's one of those things. And one way that brings us hope that God can bring us through the dilemmas of our life, the crises of our life, and all the difficulties of our life. And another way, it cuts in another way because I don't know about you, but I've never had a life problem solved in a matter of minutes. We can read that story in just a couple chapters. We can read it maybe in five minutes. And we can come to the conclusion, and that doesn't really happen in the crises that you and I face. And so it's one of those things that there's a part of us, it's a very fleshly part of us, it's a very human part of us, that when we see something so solved so quickly and so sufficiently, it does bring us hope. But is there not a part of you, that very human part, that very fleshly part, that says, you know, but God, you just don't know the half of it. I'm going through this crisis and, and God, this is heavy on me and, and this isn't going to be solved in two chapters. Maybe two of your chapters, but it doesn't feel like that in my life right now. Have you ever wanted to tell somebody who was somewhat familiar with your story and, and sometimes they're just trying to give you a good encouragement and they say, you know, something like, well, you know, God's going to get you through this. And they maybe throw a verse there and they mean it in all sincerity. They truly are trying to encourage one another just as the, God has told us to do. And yet there's that little voice inside your head that says, you just don't know the half of it. You don't really understand. You think you understand the depth of this problem, but you, you really don't know the half of it. But in reality, they don't. Nobody carries your situations, your trials, your uh, test in life quite like you do. And as we look back and we find this story of the Israelites being in captivity for over 400 years, some theologians would say 430 years, others would go with 400 years, but whether it is 400 years or 430 years, they have been in captivity for 20 plus generations. These people have not, their grandfathers and grandfathers' grandfathers have not known freedom to who this is pertaining to. And so now the promise of freedom is coming. Moses has, God has risen Moses as a, as a leader and, and he's going to bring them to the promised land that God covenant with Abraham and then promised to them. And so they're, they're excited about that and yet they're going on uncharted territory. They've never been there. And maybe they have heard stories passed on from the ancients about a land that God was going to give them. Certainly they knew the stories of Abraham and, and others and it had been passed down. But if they've been there for 400 years in captivity, they don't know those lands. At best, their stories in their minds and their hearts. It's uncharted territory to them. I want you to see two things that God does to bring the people out of the land of captivity this morning because I think it relates to a lot to the journeys that we have on uncharted territories. In one way, this whole, how do we go do church again? How do we do life again? I know Carly, almost every day, looks at her email. Okay, how are we going to do school again? And all these different things, your vocations, your callings, all these different things. This is uncharted territory for us. And so it, maybe we have different thoughts on it, but we don't know what's going to happen. That's the place that these people are in. They're looking for their freedom because they've been in captivity for over 400 years, and yet they don't really know what even freedom looks like. And they certainly don't know what this promised land looks like at this point in time. Look what it says in verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. 
For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. In other words, God begins to lead them out of captivity, out of Egypt, and he takes them, believe it or not, the long way. <laughs> when the time is finally uh, time for them to come and to leave, they are ready to go. And if you were coming out of captivity, if you were going to go from a place of slavery to a place of freedom, a place of Egypt where you were working from before sunup to, to after sundown to a place of promised land that your forefathers had been promised in covenant with God, would you not want to get there the quickest way possible? That's the desire. I mean, when we're in trials, when we're in difficulties in our lives, I don't know about you, but I want the shortest solution possible. If you give me a five-minute solution and it really does solve it, I want that five-minute solution. I don't want it to take five days, five weeks, five months, or five years. That's the desire that we have. Let's get out of the problem and into the cure as fast as we can. And God takes them on the longest route. It's where many of us find ourselves in our own personal you know, stories today. We are so ready to see that picture of the Red Sea open. You know, this, this beckoning into the promised land. And yet, maybe it seems like right now God is taking you on the longest route possible. There's three possible ways that they could have come out of Egypt. And I know that I wanted to show a map, but it really didn't portray good on here, so I decided not to use it. But but envision this. One route was out of Egypt, and they want to go over here. It was kind of straight across, but that was the way of the Philistines, was that path. And here it says in verse 17 that God did not take them away because the Philistines were not really that nice of a people. And, and if all of a sudden two million plus Israelites start coming across their land, they may be offended. They may decide that they want to fight and go to war. And so God in his mercy, his grace, and his wisdom says, okay, I'm not going to take you that way because you're not ready for a fight. Even though the next verse talks about how they're kind of ready for battle. Maybe they think they are, but God doesn't want them in a battle yet. The second way is that they could have dipped down a little bit. There was a trade route that kind of went through the middle of that region and kind of curved back up. But God didn't take them that route. The third way is the way that God did take them. He took them all the way to the south. And then he took them all the way into a place, the wilderness, the desert, and he began to take them back that way. Now, since we're not familiar with the Holy Lands, as far as maybe that map in our mind, let me use the United States to kind of demonstrate this. Let's say that captivity, Egypt, was the state of Washington. Everybody have that in your mind? Okay. And that the promised land, now that I'm going to speak like a true southerner here, was was New York, because I don't know that New York is the promised land. <laughs> okay? But let's say that that was the promised land. So if you were in Washington, the state of Washington, you wanted to go to New York, the way that you go is through Montana, and then you would go through North Dakota, Minnesota, Michigan. You would kind of go right across uh, underneath the great, the, the great Lakes there, and, and eventually you'd be in New York. That's the path you would want to go if you were going and wanted to get there the quickest. But let's say that all of a sudden there was another path that kind of dipped down. You had to go to Nebraska, Oklahoma, kind of that route. And then you kind of went back up to Georgia. And that was a common route. And there was roads that would take you there. Well, God didn't even take them that way. If we'd used this illustration, God took them from the state of Washington down to Arizona, Texas, across to Georgia, and then up the coastline to New York. 
You can say, well, Bobby, that's like the longest way that you could go on the route from Washington to New York. Exactly. The longest path possible. That's where God took them. Look at verse 18. But God. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Now, he's going to take them to a place that we have this picture of Christ And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. They think they're ready, and they're going, okay, I want to go the quickest way possible. I guarantee you, every male, especially, they're going, why are we going this way? And in their own heart, begin to wonder why are they going the longest path possible. But look at two things, two clear truths that we see in verses 17 and 18. God was leading the way of the Israelites and there was a purpose in the way that he was leading. Never doubt when it seems like God is lingering and he's taking you on the longest path out of a captivity, out of a trial, out of a slavery of your life, out of some kind of difficulty or test. And you're going, God, you know, I know you can fix this in five minutes. I know you can fix it in five days. I know that you can cure this in a moment, God, and yet here I am five months, maybe even five years later, and I'm still dealing with some capacity of this. God, why do you have me lingering upon a path that is taking the longest route possible? Because there's a purpose. He he did not lead them by a map. He did not lead them by a compass. Look at verse 21 and 22. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire and give them light that they might travel by day and night. In other words, God is constantly with them. And don't miss this, verse 22. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. In other words, there was something very obvious there that they could follow. During the daylight, it was a cloud, so it was very visible. By night, when everything got dark, you can't see clouds at night, really. So it was a pillar of fire. And and God is constantly with them. All they have to do is follow God. This long way has a purpose. But can you imagine two million plus people? Some say it could have been as many as six million people saying, are we there yet? (laughs) Can you imagine just the, the conversations when it seemed that they were going, even though they can see this cloud by day and this cloud of fire by night. And, and then maybe one of the worst things that could happen if you're on a journey happens to them. Look at verse uh, 1 and 2 of Exodus 14. They're taking this very long path. And then in verse 1 of chapter 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back. The true test of love for any father is if you get an hour into your journey going somewhere and then all of a sudden one of your children says, ah, I forgot my favorite toy, I forgot my doll, I forgot whatever it is. Okay, what a a test of, of fatherhood at that time for us to say, okay, I'm an hour down the road. And sorry, Buttercup, you're just gonna have to get through this, okay? Because we're not going back. But if you did go back, here's the other thing that just kind of stays in a daddy's mind. 
For the whole rest of the week, you feel like you're an hour behind. Or, two, or actually two hours. Because you had to go back an hour and then you had to make up that hour. And it's like the whole week. It's like, well, we would have had two hours head start on all this fun had we just not had to go back. And here God has the audacity not only to take them on a long path, the longest path possible, but he tells them in verse 2. He, the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel. And that's where if I'm Moses, I would have said, uh, God, would you mind telling them yourself? <laughs> Can you just shout it from the from the heavens that you're telling them to turn back? Because now I have to be the communicator of this news that they're not going to really be so excited about. The thought of going backwards is just so hard when you're trying to navigate, especially through the trials of life. But again, if we read on, we see that God had a definite purpose. In verses 3 and 4, it explains that, that he was trying to draw Pharaoh into it, that, it, that by going back, it would look like they were confused. It would look like they were just kind of wandering around. And Pharaoh would say, okay, this is my opportunity to go after them and bring them back into slavery and alive. And sure enough, as they went back, Pharaoh saw that. The Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart toward that. He began to send out his army to go capture them. Guess what? God was right. Go figure. Just as God had thought. But there's another hard part of this truth. Folks, you can be right where God wants you to be. The Israelites were. And they were obedient on both of these. They didn't take the way of the Philistines. When God said go south, go all the way from Washington down to Arizona, Texas, Georgia, they go, go this long route, they were obedient to it. The Bible says that when he says go back, that they were obedient to that. What does this tell us? It tells us that we can be exactly where God wants us to be and still life can be kind of difficult and hard. You can be headed right where God wants you to go and still begin to wonder, God, what, what are you doing? Look at verse 11. Then said to, they said to Moses, It's because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Well, what have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Preaching this truth is so easy in comparison to living this truth. But God is true and faithful. So what do we do? Look at verses 13 and 14 of Exodus 14. And see the words that are still true to us today as we travel in uncharted territories, uncharted trials of our own lives. Exodus 14, verse 13 and 14. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians that you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you only to be, you have only to be silent. This is that pre-picture of what Christ would do. But we all know, I hope that we are familiar with by the work that we cannot do any works into our own salvation. That is all the complete trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We cannot add even one good work to it. But one of the things that we see in this picture of Christ, when we see these the, the seas open up, when we begin to see that they get to, to walk across on dry ground, is that they were exactly where God wanted them to be, and yet there was still some questioning in their hearts and their lives. There was still a difficulty of really grasping what God was doing. 
Pastor Bobby, I appreciate it, but you don't know the half of it. You don't know the half of what I'm going through. Let me correct you on that. I don't know a tenth of what you're going through. I don't know that I know one percent of what you're going through. So deep and so personal, the struggle, the trial, I don't know a fraction of it. But I do know this. That just as he put a pillar, a cloud in the front during the day and a, a, a cloud of fire, a pillar of fire at night, that God goes before you. That if he takes you the longest route possible, it is for a reason. Well, I don't mind facing those Philistines. Let me go the short route. Now, God in his kindness and his mercy and his love for you takes you on the route for your best. And get this, for his glory. I don't know where God is doing to lead you out of the different trials in the land of captivities that, that come into our lives here on this earth. But I do know this, that he will lead you out. And that leading out may be eventually that he parts the, the clouds and he just takes us into glory. You know, that's going to be the final victory that comes into our lives. But, but we're going to have some earthly victories too. And it may be the long route. It may be one of those things where he takes us all the way down to Texas across to Georgia before he takes us to the promised land. But I promise this. If he says a long way, if he says turn back, if it seems like you are lingering in something that you've been dealing with and you just want it to be done with, there is purpose that God has for that. I'm not saying that it's fun or convenient. I'm just saying don't discount what God can do. Trust his love and his will for you. Trust that he puts that pillar, that cloud by day and that pillar of fire by night. He's never going to leave you. He will lead you and our prayers that we would follow. This is all new to us, folks. We've never been through a worldwide pandemic before. We've never had to try to restart church after such an occasion. We've never had to restart school. We've, you've never had to restart your job and restart you know, family vacations and reunions and all those kind of things. This is all uncharted territory to us. But we have a God who knows, a God who cares, and a God who will lead us every path away. It has been good to be in the house of the Lord this day. To be able to be together and just study his word. Now let's pray for, pray for application. Father God, as we um, gather this morning, Father, we do pray that you would uh, help us. For Father, this is a story in the Bible and it is a double-edged sword, Father. In one way we get two chapters and the problem is there and then it's gone. And Father, that's not the situation in many of our lives. Father, some have been dealing with situations in their lives for days, weeks, months. I would say that some would even have faced that challenge for years. And Father, today I pray that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them. That Father, even it seems like if you are taking them on the longest path possible, that they would know that there is a Red Sea at the end. There is a way into the promised land. And his name is Christ Jesus. So, Father, may your grace be poured upon us today. We might, might, we find it sufficient 
for this daily need that we have. And Father, whether you say go back, turn back, wait, whatever it may, may we follow the instruction that we see here to be silent and to know that you are God. We love you and we thank you for Jesus. We rejoice that we've been able to meet together this day. Now help us to apply your word as we pray all of this in the hope that is Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.